This podcast is being brought to you by the World Trade Center, Arkansas, Gateways Podcast. This series is hosted today by Denise Thomas, CEO of World Trade Center, Arkansas, and Jenna Carter, Global Trade Director and Foreign Policy Advisor here at the World Trade Center. Our guests today are Sandler, Travis, and Rosenberg, Nicole Bivens Collinson, and Angela Marshall Hoffman, both with Sandler, Travis, Rosenberg. Ladies, I would like very much for you to tell our guest a little bit about yourself. Nicole, we'll start with you. Great. Thanks, Denise. And I appreciate the opportunity to be before you, the World Trade Center, and everyone there in Arkansas. So I'm Nicole Bivens Collinson. I'm President, International Trade and Government Relations with Sandler, Travis, and Rosenberg, and I'm resident in our Washington, D.C. office. What we do is interact on all trade issues, whether it's goods or services. We help you with respect to understanding how to get the good in or how to get the good out, how to comply with U.S. laws, and we also work on influencing those laws as they move forward. Angela? Thanks, Nicole, and good morning, everyone. I'm Angela Marshall Hoffman. It is so nice to be on this call today. I have to say, not only am I proud to be with Sandler Travis Rosenberg, but I'm also proud to be on the Board of Advisors for the Arkansas World Trade Center. So exciting to be part of this exciting group today. Uh, My background, I'm the Vice President for Trade and Supply Chain Resiliency, and yes, that is very much focused on navigating the complexities of the world today from supply chain to trade markets. We're going to talk a lot about that today. Um, also have a very long history related to Northwest Arkansas, many years at, at Walmart, and then before that on Capitol Hill. So watching how companies not only work with policy, but also understanding how policy is created and, and what that looks like. And we're going to talk about that sausage making today. So Angela, I'm going to ask you to do, give a little plug about Organization of Women in International Trade, which is a new chapter or revised chapter here in Arkansas. Absolutely. So the Organization of Women in International Trade is actually a global organization. There are chapters in the U.S., Canada, Europe, uh, Latin America. Very excited to have one in Northwest Arkansas. Revitalized, recently kicked off. OWID has over 25 chapters and over 5,000 members around the globe. It fosters trade alliances and networking within its membership. Wonderful. Thank you. Jana, tell us a little bit about you. Um, Jana Carter, World Trade Center, um, Foreign Policy and um, and Trade Director. I am trying to better understand our free trade agreements, understand the new opportunities that it that it provides for our Arkansas businesses. Because our real aim here is to help our SMEs in the state to grow bigger and better and be able to do international exports. So with that today, I think we're having. A good policy discussion that will hopefully benefit and show um, some of our some of our audience here, but also some of these businesses, ways in which they may be able to grow their exports. So, Benice, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, all all three of you, for being a part of this conversation today. Is this series um, Gateways podcast is designed for small business to gain expert knowledge into global trade, and today our guests will discuss. The ways trade policy has been impacted by Russia and Ukraine conflict. This is a part of a two of a three part series with Sandler, Travis and Rosenberg. So I'm going to go ahead and turn this over to Janet, ask the first question and we can just begin. Thanks. Sure. Thank you, Denise. I think first and foremost, all of us recognize this is a moving target. The kind of the understanding of what's coming out from the Russia-Ukrainian conflict. But to start where we are today, 
what we're here to talk about is basically the things that this audience and our Arkansas businesses need to be mindful of at this point in time with the most recent sanctions and other impacts that are, are like hitting our Arkansas businesses and, and our economy, quite frankly. So, I, Nicole, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are and then Angela. Sure. Thanks, Jana. And thanks, Denise. I think this is a very, uh, as you said, it's a moving target, but it's very important. And I think sometimes companies and people don't understand, like I, I like to say, the toe bone is connected to the neck bone. And I think we need to look at the full implications of what's happening between Russia and the Ukraine and how that's going to impact not only um, immediately with respect to what goods can be exported, but what goods can be imported, as well as how that's going to impact potentially Arkansas uh, farmers and manufacturers and their opportunities that could come about. I mean, you hate to be an opportunist, but at the same time, when opportunity knocks, you don't you open the door. So I think what we're looking at right now is a series of how can we take as many actions as possible to economically cripple the Russians while they are invading the Ukraine, absent sending troops in or sending military equipment, uh, you know, big planes or anything like that. There's a lot of steps that we've taken. There have been sanctions put on individuals, sanctions put on banks, sanctions put on entities. That's very important for ex- ex- uh, Arkansans who are exporting. You have to know who to whom you are exporting a good. You need to know who the management is, who the ownership is. And this is a very detailed process. I mean, we have a team of seven people in the firm that looks at this specifically because once entities are put on what's called the specially designated nationals list, you have to look and make sure you have no connection to them. And unfortunately, at this point, you're dealing with the Department of Treasury and the sanctions that can be put in place by the Treasury Department are very tough. So it's it's something you need to make sure you're looking at. From an import perspective, we're basically um, shutting down a lot of the imported goods coming in from Russia. But quite honestly, we did not import a lot of products directly from Russia. However, those were inputs that might have been used in the manufacture of something, particularly in Eastern Europe, whether it's Poland, Romania, Ukraine, or Lithuania, or some of the other Eastern European countries, they were eventually finding their way here to the U.S. And so we've we've shut those down as well. So it's important to know how that is. And the Ukraine, they are being impacted because they can't manufacture and export right now. They have one of their key ports that's being completely devastated and destroyed. So, you know, there, there are a lot of uh, questions that, that people have with respect to what can I import, what can I not, how is it going to impact me. And most recently, right, Angela, we just passed um, – the president just signed a law that actually increases tariffs on the products coming in from Russia. Absolutely, Nicole. And you talk about there's a lot of tools in the toolkit. I, you know, the idea here is basically to 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 starve and freeze out sort of the the war machine of Russia and also Belarus. Um, and so there was a provision. It's actually just been signed by the president last week. The Senate voted unanimously. The House quickly followed suit. And this is in suspending what's called normal trade relations or used to be permanent normal trade relations. It is no longer with Russia and Belarus, um, as well as suspending energy imports from Russia. And this is, again, it was one of those economic tools targeted at sort of Russia and its exports. Now, 
Practically speaking, what that means is that the status will result in sort of significantly increased tariffs on products that are imported. Um, that could be as high as 35 percent. Also authorizes the president to make additional increases as he sees fit in sort of what we see as a list two. Um, practically speaking, Nicole, I think we're already seeing it on the ground. Fertilizer costs are going through the roof. Russia is a major, major provider of fertilizer. So there's lots of opportunities to look at other sources of fertilizer and affordable fertilizer from around the globe. Um, for those in the auto manufacturing sector, and particularly EVs, nickel is a major product that's coming out of Russia. And so we'll be needing to look at other sources of nickel. The Canadians are opening up their market called the Ring of Fire. So they're looking at new mining opportunities as well. So I, I think the one thing when we say we're suspending, I don't think we should think this is going to be a two-week or a two-month suspension. This could, in fact, be a generation suspension. So our supply chains are going to need to adapt and adjust accordingly. And then the ramifications, we'll talk about this a little bit too. Nicole touched on the fact that these are breadbaskets um, of the world, and this comes at a time of food inflation, but particularly impacting the countries of Northern Africa and the Middle East. And so we're going to be talking about, we'll have a whole lot more discussion, I think, on another podcast here around food security and what does that mean. But as a producing nation, the U.S. also has an opportunity to step in and help feed those those um, those people around the world who are going to find themselves at a, at a distinct um, shortage for food, particularly in North Africa, because they're reliant on the Ukraine. Anna, you're on mute. Thank you. Sorry, just to follow up just a minute, we, we talk a lot about sanctions on Russia, and then we kind of briefly mention kind of Ukraine's issues with its ability to produce and export product. So we're having, I guess, deficits in both directions. You know, Russia, we're having issues and sanctions and things that are being placed on them. But then we also have Ukraine's inability to not only feed itself, but export grain and other things. So as we look at Ukraine and trying to think of that need, are there certain particular areas or exports from Ukraine that would be um, something that Arkansas businesses could step in and help kind of help fill that void? I mean, wheat's one example. I'm certain that there are probably some others. I just I'm trying to think of Ukraine. Yeah, I think. Um, you know, quite honestly, I haven't looked at what the Ukraine exports because, again, we don't import directly that much from the Ukraine. A lot of their goods go into Eastern Europe and into North Africa. So it would really we would need to take the viewpoint of what has Ukraine been exporting to those countries that Arkansas and the United States can step in and fill those gaps. Right. And I think that there's, you know, once you take a look at that data to see what those products are, then you can see how they can step in. But I, I don't, I'm, you know, the one thing that we've really focused on is the food insecurity and the and the, the problems with wheat. And it's it's not just, it's sort of this horrible, vicious circle in that, you know, one of the key products, is, as Angela mentioned, that comes out of Russia and out of Ukraine is urea. Urea is used in fertilizer. Fertilizer costs have gone through the roof. We've had some conversations with some farmers who are basically saying, I'm just going to throw seeds in the ground and see what happens. I can't afford to put the fertilizer on there. And if nothing else, I'll go claim my crop insurance um, to make myself whole. So you've got a situation where there's an opportunity here for U.S. 
uh, you know, farmers to be able to fill a gap, but it's being stifled by the increase in the cost of the fertilizer. At the same time, the United States has put in place anti-dumping duties on urea coming in from Morocco. They are currently in the middle of an investigation to put tariffs, not only they were going to put them on Russia and on Trinidad and Tobago. So maybe there's some government solution where they could remove or suspend those anti-dumping tariffs that they have in place, which for Morocco right now are 94%. And they might be able to move it forward so that you, if you lift those tariffs, it makes it available so we can have the fertilizer here, at least suspend it until we get through the war. So our farmers can fertilize their crops, can produce, and can take advantage of the opportunity for um getting into this market that's going to be open. You know, I hadn't thought of it as kind of that cycle. That's really interesting when you put it all together and, as you know, as you say, connect those dots. So that's going to be an interesting, I think, issue to work on. And we'd really love to follow up on the food security talk at some point because that certainly is going to play into a number of things we're discussing today. So, Jan, but, one of those areas to follow up on, too, is Arkansas is a big state for rice. Um, and as we're talking, that's not something that the Ukraine currently produces, but it, but our rice typically goes into Latam, the given our, our channels. And this is an opportunity. We're having the same conversation with wheat. A lot of the wheat that we produce in the U.S. goes to Asia. And so there may be opportunities to sort of rethink about where those commodities are flowing and how they are flowing um, to feed the world. You know, it's, we do have trade agreements with um, the Middle East, not all the countries in Africa. Um, we have sort of a goal, but we don't have sort of an outbound strategy. But a lot of Middle Eastern countries we do have trade with. And so it's looking at that infrastructure as well to, to move those products and those commodities in a slightly different direction. So I, I put that in the opportunity category, given the fact that you know, there's just such robust rice production um, in, in Arkansas. And there may be a way to, to flow the chains differently. No, that that is extremely helpful, and I think that's something that kind of probably piques the interest of a lot of folks listening to this, or a lot of a lot of the people that we service. Stepping back for a minute, and we've, and we've talked about sanctions, but we recognize that some countries are willing to kind of enforce the sanctions, stick with the U.S. on things, but then there are those countries who are somewhat ambivalent, and some that are just deliberately silent on this. Kind of, what are the I guess the implications in trade, but again, it's a bigger play than trade, but just your thoughts on those countries that are remaining silent or ambivalent or however you want to characterize it. So there is some question, and um, I have uh, spoken on this topic actually quite a bit with respect to, you see pictures of um, China's President Xi Jinping with Putin. You see that India is not um, taking affirmative stance with the, in quote, West. Um, so what does that mean from a greater perspective? There is an incredible frustration, as you can imagine, already in Washington, D.C., vis-a-vis China, vis-a-vis uh, -vis the intellectual property theft and the trade secrets theft and the, you know, violation of our trademarks, et cetera. There is concern that they, we had a deal, we had a trade deal with them. And they fell woefully short of meeting the targeted uh, purchases, and I'm sure Arkansas experiences the targeted purchases of agricultural products. So there is a frustration in Congress with China and its um, its non-support 
of the Ukraine and other countries. And there's a concern if they step forward to work closer with Russia that additional action is going to be taken. Additional tariffs might be applied. Additional sanctions might be applied. Additional entities could be subject to restrictions for exports. So there's a lot of um, potential impact on this. With respect to India, I know that there's a same consideration that India has for many years uh, taken a position that has not been, um, how should we say, facilitating in dealing with different trade issues under the, the rubric of the World Trade Organization. And so this is adding a layer of frustration. I think that the, the White House is trying to figure out how can we deal with some of these larger countries. At the same time, we, you know, we do have to recognize that because we're global, supply chains have already been um, put in place that rely on Russia. And those countries have to also recognize, as Germany is doing, how can I wean myself off of Russian oil? I can't just turn, I can't turn the spigot off. I've got to slowly turn it down, cool it off until I can totally turn it off. And Nicole, to follow on that too, so we're kind of watching the who isn't helping, but also there's an approach to multilateral engagement again. So we're talking to our friends. That's the way we're going to make this work around the world. Now, we're not talking new trade agreements. Those negotiations are not really kicking off, but we're talking around frameworks and having the ability to work with many like-minded Western countries. And, and hopefully that will lead to sort of further deepening economic integration between those markets as well. And maybe, and Angela, maybe can, you can expand a little bit on that, uh, reaching out to our partners through, through the IPEF. Yes, and we had to do it, Nicole. We had to throw out one of those acronyms. So the IPEF is the Indo-Pacific Framework. Now we no longer say agreement. <laughs> we no longer we no longer say trade, and we no longer say NAFTA, CAFTA. We're now into sort of these um these these frameworks. And so this is an, an ability for the United States is starting to have conversations, particularly with countries in Southeast Asia, to start a dialogue about integration, economic integration. Now we're in the listening phase because it hasn't quite used the words market access. That means selling stuff and reducing those barriers to selling it. That would really give it some teeth. But there are a number of the visitors coming in from Malaysia to Singapore. Ironically, these are all some of the countries that were involved in the TPP. So that's another fun one, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, but it includes a number of other markets as well. So we're, we're starting to sort of lay the groundwork for what could be a, a larger regional discussion in the Asia-Pacific. So there's a lot to stay tuned for, I think. That's a lot of movement. Denise, I didn't know if you had something that you wanted to ask. You know, when I formulate a question in my mind, you guys actually answer the question. So it's very um, intuitive of both of you. I think that the audience um, would find more conversations around this in the future really interesting and very um, helpful for them. I do think that the the trend for the United States across the board as it relates to food stuff is that we can talk with our farmers to help them better understand that there is a greater opportunity with exports by going ahead and diversifying their crop and diversifying their crop rotation so that they can actually get, let's say, wheat, for example, in the ground because certain regions of the country can grow wheat as well as some other things. So that's definitely a consideration because it opens up new markets for them. I think that um, we have been working tirelessly with um, 
our 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 farming and agricultural industry here within the state to help them identify additional markets for export. I know that there's been a whole lot of conversation about diversification within the state as it relates to farming and ag. So hopefully some of those people will catch this call and kind of at least call to ask a few questions around that. Um, we have an expert here by the name of Ed Mabry who is specifically engaging with farming and agriculture in aerospace um, for those very reasons. Um, another um, opportunity, I think, for the state as a whole from this conversation is going to be timber and um, the exports of timber and wood stuff. Uh, that's something that I think that the Arkansas could definitely help fill a gap for and support because we know that there's a lot of timber exports out of Russia. Um, we do plant two to one for every one plant, um, for every one tree that's cut down, two are planted. So we actually have a surplus of trees. So that's something else that I think that our listener may want to take into consideration if they have timber or have land that they would like to forest. And that takes 20 years. But again, looking ahead, looking at those opportunities. Um, does anybody else have any other closing comments or want to do a recap on the key takeaways? I just do one follow-up. And again, sure. we have experts who are really focusing on exporting more of this product to Southeast Asia. I kind of joked a little bit about our new Indo-Pacific economic framework, but mm -hmm. this is a time the administration is listening. They're trying to lay the groundwork about what's important, what are the countries, what are the commodities, how they can sort of frame it to, to help those U.S. producers. So I would just say be part of those discussions right now. They're asking the questions, um, and they need the help actually framing the framework. So be part of that discussion. Oh, wonderful. That's good advice. And Janice, the one who's taking that taking that bull by the horn. So hopefully we'll be able to have some influence. So if any of you have comments or things that are our listeners who have comments or information they'd like to share with us about what some of the trade barriers have been, let us know so that we can kind of champion that for you. We're not a lobbying organization. We are a trade organization, but we can at least say, hey, FYI, this is what's happening with our state and with the community as a whole within the U.S. marketplace. I want to take the time to um, to close, if that's okay with you all. Do we have any other comments? Nope, oh, we're good. All right. So I'd like to take the time to close and personally thank um, Nicole, Nicole and Angela and Jenna for taking the time to be with us today. And to look ahead, we are going to be talking about um, Forced Labor Act that addressing China practices. And we want to close out by letting you know that this um, this talk was brought to you today by the Organization of Women in International Trade, the World Trade Center Arkansas, and our special guests and our, our host and sponsor, uh, Sandler, Travis, and Rosenberg. Thank you all for your help and today and wonderful conversation. This was very helpful for all of us. Thank you.